Hello, everybody. I'm Harrison. And I'm Rachel. This week, we're talking about weeks 35 and 36 and meeting with a lactation consultant. So stay tuned and join us on our journey to Meet, meet Baby, Baby H. H. To start this off, we're going to go through what's happening with the baby right now. So the baby is about the size of a spaghetti squash or a honeydew. They're weighing about five and a half to six pounds and are 18 to 19 inches long. By 36 weeks, the baby's lungs are fully developed, which is the last major organ that they need before they can get ready for birth. That's really exciting because it means that if your baby was born now, there's much less chance that you're going to end up in the NICU. The baby is going to stop growing in length and just put on fat from here on out. So a typical birth weight for a baby is around six to nine pounds. And so really, they're just going to gain a couple more pounds before they make their debut. Even though the baby is not going to be getting a whole lot bigger, there's still a lot of changes that are going to happen with the mom. I can definitely tell that my body is getting ready for labor. There's a hormone relaxin that starts to relax all of the ligaments and joints in my body to kind of stretch and make room for the baby to descend into my pelvis. I notice this relaxin working because it's also relaxing my bowels. So I've had a lot more frequent bowel movements and just looser stool in general. Rachel has also noticed an increase in cramping. A lot of this has to do with Braxton Hicks and some contractions here and there. And overall, this cramping is definitely normal and is only going to go up until the baby is here. Physically, I am a little uncomfortable, but overall, I feel okay. I think at this stage in the game, you know that you only have to stick it out for a couple more weeks, and it's more a mental game at this point. Thinking about labor symptoms and keeping track of every little symptom in your body and thinking about when is my baby going to be born. It definitely is a difficult mental game because you feel like you're so close. You've been waiting for this for such a long time, and that date is in sight, but you still have kind of a long time to go. For me, the biggest thing that was like, a, oh, wow, we're about to get to this moment is we're planning a lot of things at work around the time that Edison's supposed to be here. And so it's really just this game of keeping yourself occupied so that you don't spend every waking moment wondering when is my baby going to be here and when am I going to get to hold them? I had the opportunity to meet with a lactation consultant over the past week, and that was really nice just to ask some of my questions and get a head start on how do I get this breastfeeding journey on the right foot. A lot of people don't know that you actually can have a lactation consulting meeting before you actually are in labor. You can do this as far in advance as the third trimester, and they really encourage you to do this because you can start to make a breastfeeding plan much earlier. And I think that it was something incredibly helpful for us because we're able to look more into breastfeeding and just learn a lot more about it before we're trying to do it in real time. We met our lactation consultant through the Babies and Bumps conference that we attended about a month ago, and it was a really good chance just to talk to her when it's not a high-stress situation, 
get to know her personality and ask specific questions about our journey that we needed to know. So for us, I am going back to work part-time at six weeks postpartum. And so I really need to have a plan in place on how we're going to feed Edison and keep this breastfeeding journey going while I'm doing this contract. What was really nice about this consulting appointment is that we didn't have to go anywhere. We were able to do this meeting virtually and get a lot of questions answered without needing to be in the exact same place. I will say that when you're picking your consultant, you really want to check into the credentials of this person and what they have done. There are tons of credentials out there, but there are certain ones that are more highly rated. The most common one is an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, or IBCLC, and that is who I met with. What I've discovered is that with breastfeeding, it really comes down to being informed, having support, and really being determined to stick it out. One of the things that we are kind of struggling with about breastfeeding is that neither of our families breastfed. Rachel's mom did with her first child for about five months and afterwards went the bottle feeding route. And we know that that is a route that a lot of people take, and that's totally okay, but we really want to try to breastfeed for at least a year. And because our families didn't do it, there's a lot of things that are kind of unknown that we do have a little more concern about. We know that it's going to take more effort from us to kind of stick it out when the people around us are just not familiar with feeding your baby this way and the amount of work that goes into it. What I have learned is that 5% of mothers are physically unable to breastfeed. And oftentimes, the rest of problems that women are told from their providers or their pediatricians about breastfeeding is just false information. Breastfeeding is definitely not something that's for everyone, and that's why formula exists. And you shouldn't feel bad if that's how you needed to feed your baby. Making sure that your baby is fed is the top priority. And I've done a fair amount of research about what the benefits of breastfeeding are. And when you look at very large studies that are done all over the place, most of the benefits for breastfeeding are not actually for the baby. The larger benefits are for the mom. And to us, that is something that we really wanted to pay more attention to. So we didn't make the decision to breastfeed Edison for his health, or really for any major improvement for him. It's really more for Rachel. It's difficult to talk about this because we know that there are so many factors at stake. And really, we want to do whatever is best for Edison. If he needs to be supplemented with formula because he's just not growing at the rate the doctors would like to see, then that is something that we will consider. But it also is so hard that you have to fight to want to feed your baby this way. And it, you have to go through so many hurdles that it almost becomes a prideful thing. Or you feel like you can't stop, even if it is better for your baby, because of the pressure that you've put on yourself and others feeling like you're a failure if you can't do it. One of the biggest benefits about having a lactation consultant is there is somebody on your side now that is going to advocate for you to breastfeed, and they have seen it a ton of times. So if there's a situation you've run into, 
You can just talk to them really quick and they might help figure out how you can deal with the things that the doctors are telling you, like maybe you do need to supplement with formula and they can give you a plan to do that, but eventually get back to breastfeeding. And yeah, you are paying this person and that's why they're on your side. But I really think that the lactation consultant that we are using has our best interest at heart. The meeting was about an hour long and she started out by going through some of the basics with me. And when I signed up for this prenatal consultation, it also included access to her online course, which is just a series of videos that I have access to indefinitely with just basic breastfeeding information. So she didn't spend a ton of time on it, but just said, you have access to these videos. And if you have specific questions, let's go through those now. Rachel had quite a few concerns walking into this, but the biggest concern that she had was going back to work at six weeks postpartum. And we know that a lot of moms are in that situation. We just wanted a little bit more information about how you can make that obtainable so that you can still breastfeed. The plan that we are going to try is to exclusively breastfeed Edison for the first two weeks. So not using any bottles and not pumping. Once he is about three weeks old, I'll start pumping one time a day in the morning. One of the reasons that we are not pumping until later is that after Edison is born, the amount of breast milk that he is consuming, that's going to set the average pace for Rachel's milk to be coming in. So if you're pumping and breastfeeding at the exact same time, you have a very large potential that your body is going to create way more milk than you ever could need. And while that leads to a huge supply of stuff in your freezer, which might sound like a nice thing to you, it also opens up the opportunity for a lot of other issues like mastitis because you're not completely emptying every single time because you just have so much milk. And by the time Edison is three and a half to four weeks old, we will start introducing a bottle for one feeding a day, probably in the evening when I will actually need to be at rehearsals. One thing I found very interesting that the lactation consultant mentioned that I'd never thought about before is that Rachel cannot bottle feed Edison. They were saying that if Rachel is giving him a bottle, he's going to find this incredibly confusing. So anytime that we're going to bottle feed, Rachel's not going to be in the room. Bottle feeding a breastfed baby also has to be done in a specific way, and that is called paste bottle feeding. When a baby is breastfeeding, they have to actively work to eat. So when you're introducing the bottle, you don't want them to just be able to guzzle it down and not have to work for it. So basically what paste bottle feeding entails is just holding the bottle horizontally so that the baby still has to actively suck the milk and that should not interfere with your breastfeeding journey at all. This is compared to a bottle-fed baby where you normally would just hold the bottle like almost straight up and down so that all of the milk is in the nipple of the bottle so that it's very easy for the baby to get this formula. And that totally works for a bottle-fed baby and there is nothing wrong with that at all. But something you have to consider when you're bottle-feeding a breastfed baby is to make sure that you don't introduce these habits with the bottle that make it hard to breastfeed. 
A lot of moms are concerned about nipple confusion with bottles or pacifiers, and that is something I asked the lactation consultant about because Harrison and I want to use pacifiers with Edison. And basically what she said is the problem with pacifiers is when you are pacifying your baby's hunger cues. So as long as you're using them as a soothing technique to rock to sleep or a comfort after they have already eaten, then it's perfectly fine. You just don't want to be pacifying them when they're hungry. One of the things they also were able to recommend to us was certain pacifiers that are better for breastfed babies. Something that we didn't think a whole lot about is that pacifiers have a huge range of nipple shapes. And one of the things that you don't want to do for a pacifier for a breastfed baby is have a nipple shape that's kind of squished or flat on one side. And that's because if a baby has that, they're kind of encouraged to squish the nipple, and you really don't want that for a breastfed baby. Another thing I got the chance to talk about was collecting colostrum, because I do want to have a little bit of colostrum when he is born, just in case we have to be separated for any reason, or if... I am just struggling with recovery in the hospital, then we can give him the colostrum that I've already collected through a syringe. This is one of the biggest reasons that people don't breastfeed while they're in the hospital. It's just difficult to produce colostrum or produce enough of it that your baby needs. So doctors might tell you, you just don't have enough. So if you can collect a little bit of colostrum before the baby is there, and take it, then that is going to be incredibly helpful because you don't have to switch to formula and then try to figure out how to get off of it. Our consultant recommended that I don't start collecting colostrum until 38 weeks because nipple stimulation is proven to induce labor. And she used to work as a NICU nurse and is just very adamant that babies should be full term or later than that. When you're trying to collect colostrum, you do this through hand expressing, and you're going to try to avoid anything that uses suction before the baby is born. And once you have a little bit of colostrum, what we have found is that you can just put it in these little tiny syringes, and you can use that syringe up to three times that it comes out of the fridge and then stick it in the freezer. You don't want to keep thawing and refreezing this thing all the time. So worst case scenario, you should just use a new syringe every single time. And you're not talking about making like a whole liter of this stuff. You're talking about maybe a couple of ounces. Babies only need about five milliliters a day the first three days of their life. So I'm not trying to go crazy collecting colostrum. I really just want to have that option in the hospital for security. Another thing that we do have to consider is that we are going to get Edison circumcised. And on the day that that happens, he's going to be very tired, probably a little bit uncomfortable, and he may struggle to eat. So having some colostrum that we're able to collect beforehand is going to make it easier for us to feed him through a syringe or some other method because he might not take to breastfeeding very well that day. It was something that I hadn't really thought about until I was in the meeting and we were talking about our hospital stay and things that I should be doing to get the breastfeeding journey started, where I was like, oh yeah, 
how does this like surgery affect his feeding? And she basically was like, yeah, he's going to be very tired. And so that's when you want to do the syringe feeding, have him suck on your finger a little bit, and then just feed him by syringe. And I actually was very relieved to hear that because it means that Harrison can do that. (laughs) We are really glad that we took the time to meet with a lactation consultant because they provided us a great set of resources and also were able to answer a lot of questions about what's concerning. Overall, I would say that one of the biggest things that we took out of it moving into the idea of breastfeeding is that we are just not going to give ourselves a way to get out of this. We're not setting up a plan B. We're not stocking formula at home that we just can be an easy switch to because we want to stick to it. If we find that for some reason we're unable to breastfeed and we do need to change this whole route, the stores are not that far away and hopefully we can find some formula. Something that I really appreciated was that towards the end of the meeting, she said to me, once the baby is born, send me a text and we will come to your house in that first week. Like we want to see how your latch is. We want to take a look at Edison and see if there's something with his anatomy that is going to make feeding difficult and just really take care of those problems in that first week and That was just amazing to hear. This lactation consultant has a lot of certifications that let us know that they know what they're doing, but also they have worked in labor and delivery for a very long time. So we know that they're much more familiar with this scene than they are. And it's just really nice to know that we have that knowledge on our side. Something I was a little concerned about with a lactation consultant is how much it would cost. But we have found out that There is paperwork you could submit to your insurance so that these meetings might actually be covered by your insurance. It is definitely something to look into because if you don't have to pay everything to have this person come and help you, then why would you? And you really just have to keep searching until you find somebody that you mesh well with. What I appreciated about this consultant that we have is she lives a very natural lifestyle, but she never once tried to press that on us. I asked about the eye cream that people say may interfere with breastfeeding, and she was like, there's no reason that that should interfere or any vaccines that you're going to get in the hospital or anything like that. She wasn't anti-medication or anything just because she lives her life a certain way, ultimately she's there to support me and Harrison and the way that we want to raise Edison. You might disagree with some of the things that we've said about breastfeeding, and that's totally fine. It's just what we think and what we have found. I would highly recommend talking to a lactation consultant over just whatever you can find on the internet for so many reasons, because they've done all the work and A lot of times the people on the internet haven't. I saw something recently where people refer to the internet as the bathroom stall of the entire world. (laughs) So anybody can write anything there and you've got to figure out whether it's real or not. I would rather just trust the consultant. So around this time, we had our 35-week appointment. We are finally starting to go every week through the rest of the pregnancy. In addition to going every week, we talked to our doctor about quite a few of the concerns we had 
And they decided to offer us extra monitoring if it's something that we wanted to do. So we have decided that we're going to start doing an NST test twice a week. After I left that appointment, I felt like I just had a weight lifted off of my shoulders, just knowing that we are doing all the tests that we can to make sure that Edison makes it here safely. We were very glad that the doctors offered this testing to us, but it definitely wouldn't have happened if we didn't express all of our concerns. We talked to a lot of family members about just different things that we were worried about, and every single one of them just kept encouraging us to speak up for ourselves. You are the best advocate for you when you're in those appointments, so if you really are concerned about something or you want this extra monitoring, the worst you can do is ask and they say no. Through the week, I've been attending a virtual childbirth seminar, and it has been the perfect timing and so informative as we get ready to go into labor and have this baby. One of the best things to come out of this seminar is we're hearing about potential things that could happen in the hospital and are able to talk about them now in a non-stressful environment to figure out what we actually want. I'm glad I got to share some of these videos with Harrison because this company is very supportive of couples. And there was a lot of information about how your partner can be supporting you through the labor process. I don't have to go through this by myself. And there are a lot of things that Harrison can do to advocate for me or to make me feel comfortable while going through labor that we just hadn't thought about before. There's so many things that a partner can help do when you're in labor or just having somebody else there to support you. But I know that the bare minimum that I'm able to do is make sure that the things that Rachel wanted, that I can speak up for them no matter how she's feeling. Because there's going to be a lot going on and I know Rachel's not going to feel great. So I want to do everything that I can to make things go as smooth as possible. I also went to this consignment sale. It's called Just Between Friends, and they travel throughout the United States and just rent out buildings where locals can sell used baby and kid items, and you can buy them for consignment price. We had a few things left on our list that we needed to purchase, and Rachel was able to go through and just see what options there were. We have never really shied away from the idea of buying used things, and this was a great sale to have a huge amount of used products that we could potentially use at home. My mom came down and went with me and bought a couple things for Edison, so that was exciting, and of course, some things for my nephews as well. Overall, we didn't walk away from the sale having purchased a ton of things, but it definitely is nice just to see what all is out there and maybe you'll find a really good deal and just find that last thing you really needed. At 36 weeks, we had another appointment and it was pretty uneventful, which is a good thing. Basically, we went in and they did the usual testing of getting Rachel's weight, blood pressure, just asking if we had any questions, and it was a pretty smooth process. We are looking forward to the next couple of appointments as well because we know that there's going to be a lot more discussions about the labor and delivery, and we're definitely looking forward to getting into that stage. Something that happens around 36 to 38 weeks is the group B strep test. Basically, they just take a swab of the bacteria 
down there. And if you're positive, it basically just means that you need to have an antibiotic through the IV during labor. Basically, if you test positive for this, they're going to ask you to come into the hospital a little bit earlier so they can get you on these antibiotics before your baby is actually coming out. This form of strep is not harmful to me or to Harrison in any way, but there's something about those little babies when they're coming through the birth canal. If they're exposed to this bacteria, it could be pretty harmful. So I think you'd have to have it for about four hours before you can give birth to your baby. If you do test positive for it, it's not because you're this dirty person or anything like that. Some people just have this. It's not something that you can really do anything to get. It's not something you can do anything to avoid. Some people just have it. We also had an ultrasound done at this time because I did mention that I was noticing a change in the discharge that I was having, which is concerning for doctors at this point because you could be leaking amniotic fluid, which is that thing that people say when your water is breaking. So they wanted to check for that and also just... I was kind of concerned about Edison's movements and see how he was doing in there. There's two ways that your water can break throughout pregnancy. One is the most common way people know of, and that's a big gush of water. But the second way is like a very slow trickle that happens over a long period of time. So doctors get a little bit concerned that maybe you've been slowly leaking amniotic fluid for a little while and that's not really great. So the ultrasound was really more of a check to make sure that the fluid levels were still good and that everything was going to be okay with Edison. It was much shorter and way less quality than any of the ultrasounds that we have had in the past, but we were able to find out that Edison has a long umbilical cord, and so that's just something that the doctors are going to keep an eye on from here on out. They're not too concerned about this long umbilical cord. There's not really anything that they can do about it anyway. But it is helpful to know because they said that during the labor process, there are some potential things that could come up that if they didn't know that the umbilical cord was long, that they might be concerned about. The rest of the week was pretty uneventful. We're just kind of chilling, waiting for Edison whenever he's ready, and I'm really focusing on resting and just letting my body start the process of Edison descending and all of those things that need to happen before he can be born. We have about one month left of this pregnancy, and it's probably going to be the longest one yet. Next time, we are going to talk about some of the old wives' tales about inducing labor that we have decided to try. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>